Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. In 1984, my wife and I were living in the Delta region of Nigeria in a small town called Sapale. One day, we got into our old Peugeot 504 and took off to go somewhere in town. But when we got into town, there was a lot of traffic on the road. Fortunately, I knew a shortcut. It meant leaving the tarred road and going on dirt roads, but I was confident we would still make better time. So we cut off from the tarred road and avoided the traffic and started bouncing along the rough dirt roads of Sapale, making good time. But all of a sudden, when we came around a bend, I had to stop the car because the road was covered with water. From one side to the other, and for a very long distance, the road was underwater, and I couldn't see the road. After all, it was rainy season, and we were in the delta, and this wasn't all that unusual. But I knew that without seeing the road, I needed to be careful. Well, as I sat there trying to decide what to do, all the small, small Nigerian children from the compounds around came up and they started shouting, Oyibo, Oyibo, which means white man. They said, Oyibo, you can make it, you can make it. They started dancing and clapping and laughing. Go, Oyibo, go. Go, Oyibo, go. Go, Oyibo, go. Go, Oyibo, go. Hey, white man, you will make it. I looked at them, I looked at the water, and the water was so much, it looked like Lake Sapale. I shook my head and said, no way. Then one small boy came over and said, oh, Oyibo, don't worry, look at the ground. And I looked at the ground, and going into the water, there were tire marks. And coming out the other side, there were tire marks. He said, see, other people have been passing. People have been passing. The little children started clapping, go, Oyibo, go. Go, Oyibo, go. Go, Oyibo, go. So I said, okay, other people have gone, and the children said other people are going, so I backed up my old Peugeot 504. I gave it into gear. I gave it some acceleration, and we went flying into the middle of Lake Sapale. The water was spraying, the mud was blasting, but we were making it through. Go, Oyibo, go. <laughs> Until we got to the middle of Lake Sapale. And we got stuck. The wheels were spinning, the water was spraying, the mud was blasting, but we weren't moving, we were stuck. Never trust small, small Nigerian children by the reason. Hey! I looked at them, I said, you, you got me here, you're going to push me out. I got out of the car, I'm walking in water and mud. I told my wife to took the wheel. I got behind the car. All the small, small children were pushing with me. We started pushing and pushing and pushing and we pushed with all our might. The wheels were spinning, the water was spraying, the mud was blasting and finally we were able to push our way out. I got back into the car, waved goodbye to those small, small children. I was wet and muddy but I was also a little bit wiser. Don't drive when you can't see the road. What do you do when you're facing a journey in life and you can't really see where you're going? What do you do when the road is not clear and you're not certain how deep the water is or whether you can actually make it? What do you do? Well, if you're like most people, you do what I did in 1984 in Sapele, Nigeria. You start to listen to the people around you, people who claim to be experts. And if you are like me in Sapele, Nigeria, you look at what other people have done, and you think, well, if they did it, I can make it. 
But here's the problem with that way of viewing things. The voices crying to you from the roadside don't always have your best interests at heart. And some so-called experts don't know what they're talking about. And not only that, when you try to set the example of other people and follow their example, their circumstances may be different than yours. Maybe the car that passed through ahead of me was a big, heavy truck. Maybe when he passed through, the water wasn't as deep. Maybe his circumstances were different. But you listen to the voices, and you follow the example, and you go where you can't see, and you end up stuck. You want to soar but you don't have the vision to see the way through. But what if there's a better way to pass through the journey of life? What if there's a better way? What if you can have a navigation system that's foolproof? What if you can follow directions that know where you're going and what to pass and where to avoid going? What if you could listen to a voice that would always tell you the depth of the water and the best way to navigate? What if you could listen to someone who saw what you didn't see? Well, then you would never get stuck. Even if your vision was limited and the road was underwater, you would be able to know exactly where to pass. You'd be able to foolproof your journey and your decisions so that you never got stuck, never got off track, never hit a pothole. You would be able to see and soar even when you couldn't see. The good news for all of us is there is a way out. There is a system whereby we can find our way through and navigate through life's toughest decisions even when we don't see in the natural. For you see, when we obtain God's vision, we get the vision of faith and we're suddenly able to see what remains hidden to the natural eye. When we get God's vision of faith, we're able to understand the direction to pass and the right way to go. We can obtain supernatural vision when we get the vision of faith and that will give us faith to soar. For you see, faith sees the unseen. Faith sees and guides you through the unknown. Faith gives you clear access to the God who knows everything about your future. And when you have the vision of faith, you'll see beyond your own natural limited vision into the supernatural realm. You will see the unseen and successfully navigate through the challenges of life. When you possess the vision of faith, you'll have Faith to soar. That's the message in our sermon this morning, but before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you are the God who works it all out. Today we ask you to remove every prop that's holding us up apart from you. Lord, help us not to look and see with the natural, but help us to look and see with the supernatural. Give us the vision of faith. We confess that too often we've listened to the voices crying to us from the roadside. Too often we've examined uh, circumstances with our natural wisdom and come up stuck. But today we submit to you, we bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and give us the vision of faith that we might have faith to soar. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Just join your faith with me for a moment. Put your hand on your chest and pray along with me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I see. 
Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Agape House. It's great to have you here. There's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than right here at Agape House New Testament Church. If you're joining us online, a big welcome to you as well. If you wouldn't mind right now, type a comment. Tell us where you're joining us from so that we can share in the goodness of God all around the world. Well, you picked a great day to join us as we're in week two of our sermon series, Faith to Soar. As you may know, at the beginning of this year, God gave me the message soar. That's our theme for this year. And we see that God is opening up new doors for us. He's lifting us to new levels. He's ushering us into new realms. But there's something that we need to do to be able to obtain God's destiny. We need to match God's vision with our faith. For when God's plan and our faith get united, then nothing is impossible. Doors will open, breakthroughs will happen, and we will soar. If you believe it, say amen. So last month, God spoke to us about what it means to soar. And this month, we're learning the teachings about faith so that we can understand how our faith can help to lift us to soar. This week, we're learning about the vision of faith. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. And I invite you to go ahead and take them out now and follow along with me as we discover three truths about the vision of faith. If you're joining us online, you can download the notes free of charge from the website or from any of our social media pages. There at the top of your note and on the screen ahead of you is our scripture text for today. It's the biblical definition of faith found in Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'd like to invite you to read it out loud together with me. Would you read it with your best preacher's voice? Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen and to be certain of things we do not yet see. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I see. Think about this powerful definition of faith. Here God tells us what faith is and starts to teach us on how to develop it. And when we look carefully at this passage, we see that that's the direction we're headed in our sermon series. Last week, we covered the foundation of faith, and that's how our verse begins. Faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. And last week, we understood that you can be confident in your faith when you base your faith on who God is, on what God says, and on his authority and power. But then the verse shifts to the second half and tells us how faith operates. It says, and to be certain of things we do not yet see. And now Paul introduces the topic of vision. We've built a foundation of faith, but now we need to see what God sees. For the definition of faith is simply this. Faith sees what God sees. Everybody say, faith sees what God sees. When you focus on the reality of what God sees and you embrace it, then you will develop faith to soar. And that's the lesson we're going to learn from the hero in the Old Testament we're going to look at today, a man named Gideon. When we first meet Gideon in the book of Judges, he is not a man of faith. He's arguing with God. He's hiding in fear. He seems to be so doubtful about his own existence that it seems he's incapable of doing anything. But later on in his story, we see that he gets a vision of faith and develops faith to soar. Gideon becomes one of God's heroes in the Bible. So let me read a portion of his story today from Judges chapter 6. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
Maybe you've been like Gideon. You've said that, Lord, if you're with me, why is all this happening to me? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about, Gideon asked. Didn't they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And think about this conversation Gideon has with God, because inside of this conversation, we find the three foundational truths about the vision for faith. For you see, Gideon had no vision of his life. He didn't see himself as anything worthy. He didn't see any opportunity for success. But every argument he had, God overcame it. And every argument that he brought up to God, God canceled it. And God begins to give us the three truths we need today so that we can go from a hiding in fear to soaring in faith. So here's the three truths about the vision of faith. Number one, my outlook determines my outcome. Everybody say, my outlook determines my outcome. Our story begins in Judges 6, 12 with these words. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And when God wants to transform Gideon from a man of fear to a man of faith, he begins by talking about his identity. And the same thing is true for you. If you're going to have the faith to soar this year, your vision of soaring and your vision of faith begins when God first shows us our identity. For God sees things we don't see, and when we begin to see what he sees about ourselves, we will become the hero that he wants us to be. You see, no matter how you look at yourself today, God sees you as his son and daughter. God sees you as a champion. God sees you as a new creation. He sees you as a hero of faith. He sees you as a man or woman with potential. Unfortunately, none of us see ourselves the way God does in the natural realm. We lack the faith to see what God sees. And so we begin to compile our identity by different circumstances that have happened to us. What people told us about ourselves or what results we got in school. And we put together a hodgepodge of partial truths and we take our identity from that. This fact reminds me of the story of the five blind men. One day the five blind men were sitting by the side of the road talking about all the things they wish they could have seen. And one blind man said, you know what? I wish I could have seen an elephant. I've heard he's a great animal, but I've never seen. I don't know what he's like. So the five blind men agreed that they were going to get up and find an elephant and see if they could discern what the elephant was like by feeling him. Well, God was so kind, and as they traveled, they met a group of traders who happened to have an elephant. And the blind man asked the traders, can we feel the elephant? And the traders said, yes. So the first blind man came and felt the elephant's tail. He said, ah, now I know the elephant is like a rope. And the second blind man came and felt the big belly of the elephant and said, no, wait, the elephant is like a mighty wall. The third blind man came and faced the trunk and said, no, the elephant is like a snake. The fourth came and felt the big soft ears and said, hey, this elephant is like the leaf of a fan palm. The fifth blind man came and felt the leg of the elephant and said, hey, this elephant is like a tree. 
And so the five blind men left the elephant and they argued all day long about what the elephant was really like. Each one of them had a measure of truth, but the problem was they didn't see the big picture. They gathered partial truths uh, and created a picture that was false. And that's the problem with our vision of our own identity. You see, when you allow your experience to dictate your outlook, you will always limit your destiny. We tend to shape our identity by a series of events. What happened to us, what was done to us, what people said about us, what people did to us, what we did ourselves. And that's what happened to Gideon. He bases his identity upon the fact that they were overcome by an enemy, that he was weak, that he was the smallest from a small family in a small tribe. Gideon begins to look at this patch quilt of events and takes his identity by what was happening to him, not by what God said. And underlying all of Gideon's problem was shame. Because shame connects what happened to me to who I am. And so Gideon begins to recount shame. We're under attack. We're under siege. The enemy has done this to us. We're weak. We're limited. And when you allow shame to identify who you are, you will never soar in faith. I did bad. Therefore, I am bad. My boyfriend rejected me, so I am worthless. After what I did, I'm too stupid. My parents abandoned me, so I'm not loved. My husband divorced me, so I must be ugly. My wife cheated on me, so I must be a fool. I can't have a baby, so I'm inferior. I'm defective. I'm damaged. I'm flawed. I'm worthless. I'm less than everyone else. I'm incompetent. I'm incapable. I'm an idiot. I'm unlovable, weak, pitiful. And the biggest hindrance to the vision of faith is shame-based thinking. And even though you've been forgiven by Christ, when you have shame-based thinking, you will never soar because your identity is wrapped on, on what was done to you. But hear the word of the Lord to you today. He's not called you to shame, and he doesn't identify you by shame. For the word of the Lord says in Isaiah 54, 4, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. And when Jesus comes into your life, he rolls away the the shame. He removes the shame of your sin and the shame of your past and the shame of what you did and the shame of what was done to you. And I declare that shame is broken off of you today in the mighty name of Jesus. For you are not your past. You are not what you did. You are not what others did to you. You are not what others think of you. Today God says shame off you because others may have come and said shame on you. But today Jesus proclaims shame off you. Just lift your hands and say shame off me. Come on, throw it off. Don't hit your neighbor with it. Just say, shame off me. Shame off me in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, because who you are is what Jesus did for you. And faith connects what Christ did to who I am. Because of his blood, I am forgiven. Because of his power, I'm a new creation. Because of his power, I am loved. I'm chosen. I'm blessed. Somebody shout, hallelujah. 
That's why Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, I pray, Paul is praying for you today. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be open so you can see. They'll be flooded with light so that you can see. Somebody say, I see the wonderful future that God has promised to those he called. Turn your notes over to page two and understand that the vision of faith begins by seeing shame off you and seeing what Christ has done for you, seeing yourself new and clean and forgiven because of his love. If you believe it, say amen. If you see yourself as God sees you, you will experience the outcome God has for you. If you see your value in Christ, you will pursue a higher calling. If you see how God values you, you will have faith to soar. For your outlook will determine your outcome. That's the lesson we can learn from my son named Richard, my namesake, and his experience with Bitcoin. Way back in 2009, Bitcoin was launched as a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. When it first came out and for the first couple of years, it wasn't very popular. Most people didn't know much about it. Most people did not see its value. And so it languished at the first year at around almost no value. But then gradually some people got interested in it, but it still didn't have the value that it has today because only a few visionaries could see its potential. In fact, in 2010, somebody bought two pizzas with 10,000 Bitcoin. Hey, that means the value of a Bitcoin in 2010 was about half of one US penny. But then gradually as people got informed and got to see the potential, the value began to rise, the price began to increase. And that brings us to 2011, when my son Richard decided to get involved, the price of the Bitcoin was seven US dollars. Being the adventurous type, Richard jumped in and bought 100 Bitcoin. He invested $700 and said, let me wait and see what will happen. Well, of course, after he bought the Bitcoin, the price went up and down as it's wont to do. Some days he was really rejoicing, I'm making money. Others day he was like, that was the stupidest decision I've ever made when the price went down. But gradually, bit by bit, the price continued to rise. And finally, after a few years, his Bitcoin had risen to $21 in value each. And Richard decided, now's the time to cash in and reap a profit. So he sold 99 of his 100 Bitcoin and made a tidy sum of 1000 But if Richard had seen the future price of Bitcoin, he would have held on to it. Because from 2013 to 2021, Bitcoin rose over 6,000% in value. It eventually reached a high last year of $68,000 for one Bitcoin. If he'd kept his Bitcoin, he would have been worth $6.8 million dollars. Hey, Richard, oh, your old man is weeping. He made a little profit of $1,379, but he could have made $6.8 million if he'd had the right vision. Your outlook will determine your outcome. What you see and don't see about yourself, what you see and don't see about your destiny will affect your outcome in 2022. You have to give your life the value God gives it. Don't give up. Don't cash in on your dream too soon. See as God sees, and you'll have God's 
outcome. And that brings us to our second truth today. My outlook motivates my obedience. Everybody say, my outlook motivates my obedience. Listen to how our story continues in Judges chapter 6, 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. So first, God identifies Gideon as who he is, and then he begins to give him a destiny. And that's how it is with us. God first identifies us and then gives us our destiny. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Purpose requires that you have a proper perception of who you are. You can only achieve your purpose when you properly perceive your identity. The course and quality of your life is not just based on how you see God, but how you see yourself. Because God knows you will always act in a way consistent with your view of yourself. That's why over and over again, God tells us in the Word of God how He sees us. In Ephesians 1, 6, He says, He's made us accepted in the Beloved. So just say, I am accepted. In Colossians 3, 12, He says, you are the elect of God, holy and beloved. Just say, I am beloved. In 1 Peter 2.9, he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So just say, I'm chosen. In Ephesians 2.10, he says, you are planned by God before time began to do good works. So say, I am destined. In Jeremiah 31.3, he says, I've loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. So say, I am eternally loved. In John 8.36, Jesus said, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So shout, I am free. God goes on to say, in Christ, I'm glorified. I'm an heir of God. I'm identified with Christ. I am justified. I'm a king's kid. I'm liberated. I'm a masterpiece. I'm no longer guilty. I'm overwhelmed with favor. In Christ, I'm a partaker of God's glory. I'm quickened. I'm redeemed. I'm seated with Christ. I'm triumphant. I'm unashamed. In Christ, I am victorious. In Christ, I am extra special. In Christ, I'm yielded and zealous from A to Z. God has you covered. He sees you as special. Somebody shout, I am. And when you see yourself as God sees you and see the greatness of God inside of you, you will realize that the God inside of you is greater than the obstacles in front of you. When you see God and see yourself, you will soar in faith. That's why Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on... Fixing our eyes on... Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Because seeing what God sees, keeping your eyes on Jesus, gives you the strength to shed sin and throw off the weights that hinder you. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. When I see what God sees, I'll do what God says. If you could see what God sees about tomorrow, about your future, about this year, you would obey him perfectly. For God sees the end of the matter. He knows the future. He knows the depth of the water on the road and the level of mud you're passing through. He knows there's a way around. For Isaiah 46 says, I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. If you could see like God sees, you would stop shacking up with Kwame from a shaman. 
Because God sees that Kwame from Ashaiman is going to give you a sexually transmitted disease. Kwame from Ashaiman is going to pregnant you and not care for the baby. Kwame from Ashaiman is already cheating on you with Rebecca. I'm prophesying to somebody today. If you could see what God sees, you would tell Kwame, bye-bye, oh, express de you. But you don't see that. You see the momentary. You see the pleasure. You see today. But God sees tomorrow. Many years ago, there was a man who felt a call from God to evangelize. He was burning with a fire and passion for souls. So he started a ministry, went downtown Accra, and started preaching on a street corner. He would go every day, morning and afternoon and evening, to the same street corner, handing out tracts, preaching. But as time went by, it seemed that people were no longer interested. Some people would take the track and throw it on the ground. Other people would curse and insult him. And it seemed like he wasn't making any progress. He didn't see anyone except Christ. Finally, after a long day of giving out tracts and preaching and nobody listened to him, the man became discouraged. He didn't see any results. So he said, this is it. I'm leaving. He left that corner. He said, I'm not going to preach again. I'm not giving out tracts. And he went to another city and went into business and backslid. Many years later, this same man had to go come back to Accra for business. And it just so happened he had to go downtown and pass the very street corner where years ago he'd given out tracts and preached. And he came to that very corner, and to his surprise, he found a young man standing in the very place where he had stood before, giving out tracts and preaching. And the businessman thought to himself, you fool, don't you know this doesn't work? I did that. I was just like you. It's not going to bring any result. So the businessman decided to go to the young evangelist and said, sir, you're making a mistake. Nobody cares. Nobody will listen. You're wasting your time. You won't see any results. Then the young evangelist turned to him and said, sir, let me tell you my testimony. Three years ago, I was just like you. I was chasing money. I was working night and day. And I happened to walk past this street corner. And I met a man standing here preaching, and he gave me a track. I didn't want to listen, but I took the track and put it in my bag. Later that night, the track fell out of my bag. I picked it up and read it. God convicted me. My eyes were open, and I gave my life to Christ. The next day, I came back to this very street corner to find the man to thank him. But he was gone. So I decided to take his place. And suddenly, the businessman realized, this is my convert. I was the one who gave him the track. I preached to him. And when I didn't think I would see any results, here's what God did. And I declare to you today, if you will hang on in faith, if you will see what God sees, if you'll see your destiny, if you will see that a harvest is coming, you would be so committed right now to God, you would never look back. If you see what God sees, you would give your biggest offering in this offering today. If you see what God sees, you'd get committed to this church. You'd start serving. You'd start worshiping. You'd start praying. If you could see that the harvest is right at hand, see what God sees, and you will do what God says, for God sees eternal value, and God sees the breakthrough coming, and the vision of faith sees what God sees. And that brings us to our third truth today. My outlook results in my overcoming. Everybody say, my outlook results in my overcoming. 
Listen to the end of our conversation between God and Gideon in Judges 6, 16. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. As God gives Gideon the vision of faith, he comes to the final part of the vision. First, he identifies him. Secondly, he gives him a destiny. And third, God shows him victory. And the same is true for you. God shows you your identity, and God shows you your destiny, and then God shows you success. He wants to encourage encourage you today at the end of the day that as you continue to develop the vision of faith, you too will be an overcomer. You will win. and the end, everything will turn out right. In the end, your harvest will come in. In the end, you will get married. In the end, you will have a child. In the end, you will get the contract. In the end, you will get the visa. In the end, you will get the breakthrough. In the end, God will bring victory because God has read the end of the story and he knows at the end, he always wins. That's why First John 5 4 says we win the victory over the world by means of our faith. Faith sees what God sees and faith knows that God always wins. God sees the end from the beginning and he knows at the end of the book he rides in triumph so God never gets stressed and God never worries and God never wonders because at the end every power is vanquished, every enemy is defeated, every problem is solved. In the end we ride in triumph with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Somebody say amen. And that's the confidence we can have when we see with the vision of faith. We'll have faith to soar because we know in the end we have the victory. That's why 2 Corinthians 4 says, so we do not give up. We set our eyes not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. For what we see will last only a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. And I declare to you today the trial you're passing through, the things you see that trouble you, those are momentary. But God is bringing victory. God is bringing breakthrough. When you have the vision of faith, you'll see yourself, you'll see your destiny, and you'll see your victory. I remember a few years ago, I was watching a football match on television, and for some reason, they were rebroadcasting a match that had already been played the day before. When I got up that morning, I'd already looked at the news and knew who won and knew what the score was. But I was still interested in watching the match just to see the game. But of course, as I sat there watching, I knew what was going to happen, so nothing moved me. When the opposing team scored a goal and they were all dancing and clapping, I said, you're dancing now, you'll be crying soon. When the referee showed one of my players a red card, I said, nah, it doesn't matter. I knew what was going to happen, so there was no stress, no worry, no fear. I sat cool and collected, waiting for the end, because I knew the end of the story. That's what the vision of faith does. God's story is a story of victory. And God knows that history is his story of triumph. When you have the vision of faith, it begins by seeing yourself as God sees you. You're not what was done to you. You're not what people say about you. You are who God says, an overcomer. And when you have your identity firm, then you can see your destiny, that you're someone God has chosen to use in this generation to break the shackles and make an impact. And when you see that, you have a vision of your victory. You'll see that you overcome, and you'll be confident to step forward with the vision of faith, for you will have 
faith to soar. If that's what you want, would you stand together with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you're opening our eyes. Thank you that your vision is the only accurate vision for everyone facing a road that is uncertain, for everyone who's facing a road underwater and you can't see the bottom and you don't know where to go, Lord, open our eyes today and let us see with the vision of faith. Let us see who we are in you today. Drown out the voices of those who shout from the sidelines and let us hear the one voice that matters, the voice who knows the end from the beginning, the voice of our Creator, our Father. Lord, today as we see the vision of faith about our identity, show us our destiny. Show us that in you, no obstacle can stop us. No problem can defeat us. Show us that in you, you are greater than any problem we have. Help us to see today, Lord, our destiny and our victory. That at the end, as long as we're faithful, we will reap a harvest based not on what we see in the natural, but what we see with the vision of faith. Give us the vision of faith that we might have faith to soar. In Jesus' name, amen. The hope of God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. Yeah.